little wobbly. Yeah, right. I am not a steady hand, let alone a steady cam. I don't think the squirrels are running fast enough in your Wi-Fi system out there in the, in the sticks, Chris. I know. It's the trouble with snow. Oh, well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Idiotic. We have a fantastic guest with us today. Katie Ryan is here. Hello, Katie. Hey, Brent, we need to take the music down still. You what? The music. We're still dancing, dude. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hard stop. Chop it off. Right, oh, so boy. Is... Everything is everything is tipsy-turvy this morning. Brent's running the show because I'm stuck at home because of snow. And I have mediocre internet, so I'm told that the squirrels aren't running very fast. So we've got all kinds of things going on today. And apparently <sighs> my audio is really low again so i'm trying to keep the speakers down so there's no feedback and if uh it happens again i'm gonna put some headphones in and and we'll go from there mm -hmm. rick is it up a little bit higher now how's that it's all good for my side oh trish says she doesn't have any audio oh goodness me trish try resetting your browser Refresh on the browser yeah not that she can hear I think not that she can hear us do this anyways but anyways well let's just jump into this because let's get something going what i said when the music was so loud over me and my voice was so <laughs> quiet was we have a fantastic guest today katie ryan is with us hi katie hey everyone happy to be here katie just for folks who haven't encountered you in our world before um offer us a little bit of a bio a bit of your background etc so folks can get to know you quickly sure happy to there's a little bit of a feedback I, i'm gonna fix it okay hello hello just roll Sorry with it to... katie we'll see what happens if you can okay. do it or unless the echo is getting too much too for you i'm gonna mute my i don't want to hear my <laughs> okay. so are you still able to hear me okay i'm hearing you fine yes I okay am. so i've muted myself I've muted the speakers, so I can't hear my feedback right now. So Sounds my name is Katie. I am Katie Ryan is my full name for those of you I haven't seen before or met before. And I am the founder of a company called A Positive Adventure. And I love learning and development. I love training. I love working with organizations. And I founded my organization about four years ago and left the corporate world, started APA is what we call it for short. And we partner with organizations to help them with organizing the chaos of learning and development, usually when they're around series B plus. So um, a lot of times that's when they are just figuring it out and they don't have full-time big teams to help them just yet. Mm -hmm. Brent, are you back with us? Oh. Brent, we've lost your voice completely. I had my mute on. There you go. Now there should not be any echo, and I should be able to hear you just fine. Perfect. Yep. Awesome. Oh. No, I'm still, still an echo running somewhere. Well, then it's not my fault. Ah. <laughs> oh, wait, maybe it is. I'm just going to turn it off. 
So I, I love the phrase, the chaos of L&D, because I think many of us do feel that we live in that chaos in this, uh, in this world of ours. Um, but boy, uh, it's certainly gotten a lot more chaotic, hasn't it, uh, since, oh, you know, roughly about March for those of us here in, in North America. Um, and we have an official title for today's program, How to Step Up Your leader de Leadership Development um, in a Pandemic. And I think maybe a lot of companies are finding that they're so focused on trying to solve the, the you know the small problems maybe losing sight of the of the big pictures the longer uh, pictures um, are you finding that uh, in your conversations with people yeah um, let me it's there's still an You're echo still yeah I'll mute my microphone again okay um, so yes so we've been working with many of our clients, obviously, for several years. And this year has been unique. I don't need to speak the, it's a turbulent time. We all know the, the buzzwords that people use right now. Um, it is, period. We all know that. And I think something that we've seen and right, right out of the gate during when the pandemic began is that we wanted to one of our clients says this, it's uh, if anybody's seen Frozen 2 or has kids, you know, they say, you just want to keep doing the next right thing. And mm -hmm. that's how we approached the whole situation of the pandemic from a positive adventure is, and, and we, you know, pass that along to our clients. It's like, no, no, nobody was able to plan for this. We don't know what we don't know seriously. We don't know how long this is going to be. We don't know anything. We're all being served something very hard at the same time. Like, what do we do about it? Well, let's just do the next right thing. And so it might sound like a platitude, but for us, what we did is we started partnering with our clients and giving them an opportunity to share, like, what's going, what's going on? How are you? What do you need? What do you not need? Do we need to change our agreements in working with you because your business needs have shifted? And, and like organizations are having a hard time this year, just like individuals. So I think there is a like a shared togetherness, which is kind of ironic because we all feel kind of quarantined <laughs> or alone. But there's also this shared togetherness that I think companies can feel, individuals can feel, uh, leaders can feel. Mm -hmm. And so, what 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 some what are some of the adaptations then that you've you've been seeing companies doing around the the leadership front in this? Yeah, so it's still echoing. Is are you hearing an echo, Chris? I, I'm not hearing any issues at all. Okay, no. let me try. Uh, this. Although someone is mentioning in the chat there that <laughs> the, now I hear it. Or I hear okay, something, okay. maybe something completely different. No, there's, there's definitely some feedback going on. Okay, is that better? For me. Whatever I was just hearing has stopped now. Yeah. Okay. Whether that's maybe the same as what the folks on the outside are, are, are noticing or not, because there's layers here, like every technology. Oh, Shannon's saying it's better. Does that so. sound better? Okay. All right, maybe. So the question is, what are the adaptations that I've seen companies making? Mm -hmm. um, so, what, so what I've seen the most is that in working with organizations from our side is we do leadership development programs, right? So we go in and help companies 
from a programmatic standpoint. We don't just do an event. I'm always like, we don't want to just check a box. We want to turn this into an initiative or a program, not just let's do one isolated training and leave it. We all know about that, right? I don't need to tell you all about that. Um, and so we come in and we do programs and usually they're six, nine months. And, and something that I wanted to really check in with organizations on is obviously the pandemic started early in the year, right? Q1. And now we are where we are and a lot has happened in between then and now. And we had business booked out through the end of the year and uh, we're almost completely booked up at the start of the year for 2020. And we have retail clients. We have clients in tech that were doing layoffs. We had clients that are just kind of all over. We're, we work in an industry agnostic type way. Um, and so I wanted to check in with all those people and say, like, are you trying to keep the lights on? Do we need to change this program? We have something scheduled for next month that might feel a little tactical right now compared to what people need. And so, for example, we had a leadership development program topic that we were going to talk about with their managers uh, for one particular client. It's a tech company and they had just done a layoff and we were going to do a training on project planning and delegating as a manager. And we had something scheduled for their all employee team, which was how to own your career. <laughs> and how to build your brand and your career. And those two things were tone deaf to what was actually happening. And so proactively, we reached out to these clients and said, A, do you want to still do this right now? A lot of our clients are, but get, I, I was very nervous about doing this, but I gave, especially our retail clients, an out. You need to get out of this agreement. I understand. You didn't plan for this. This is a tough year. Let's figure out what we need to do. So we switched, we switched some things. We let a couple clients out of their agreements. Um, and the biggest thing that we wanted to do is make sure that we weren't coming in, like building your career at our company after we just laid off all your friends, <laughs> you know, um, and that would not have gone over well. So being super proactive about that and bringing it up with a recommendation of a replacement, like here's something that might be better. What do you think? And they're like, mm, no, but maybe something like this. Okay, let's talk about that. So obviously, in addition to the whole virtual world, which we're all living in now, I feel personally as an L&D person that my superpower was clipped a little bit because I love in person and I, you know, I do virtual too, but I really love in person and feeling the room and being able to play off each other. And during breakout groups, being able to like sense when the conversation is dying and bring people back, you know, and I felt like that was totally taken away because people go to these breakout rooms in zoom. I can't feel them. I can't hear them. I can't. So we had to adapt the way we approach working with organizations from a virtual perspective, from a topical perspective, and just in general and how we partner with them while they were going through a hard time. Mm -hmm. I want to put a little plug in for our chat folks. If anybody in our, in our group here today has um, seen differences or first of all, is, is anybody in our group involved in leadership? Because not everybody in L&D um, you know, has that as part of what you're, what you're covering. So let us know that first off. And if so, 
Um, you know, what, what kinds of changes have you seen in your own organization's L&D or uh, leadership development? L&D, leadership, it's the same two letters. Wow. Uh, Chris, with the lights going on here, eh? <laughs> no, seriously, uh, if, if, if your own organization has done something different or had to do anything shifting in terms of, uh, say, the leadership development aspect of what your L&D team is involved in, we'd love to hear about that in the in the chat, too. Any examples or anything that you folks have experienced? It really still feels, um, you know, even... Um, I know as many months. I was going to try to actually do the math, and it's 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 beyond me today. Uh, but it does feel like in a lot of cases we are all still just uh, you know scrambling for for sort of short term things. Oh, we got to solve this week. We've got to to you know you know we're still focused on on solving uh, very short term specific problems, and it feels kind of like maybe a lot of uh, for a lot of organizations maybe the the long term you know perspective is is being. Uh, shunted aside at, uh, in, in all of this as well. Yeah, and I think Zafir said here really well, which is organizations who are able to right now get in front of future leaders. You know, we're going to promote a bunch of people or we're eventually going to hire more people again. And when we do, this level might move up. How do we set them up for success? And so I've seen a lot of companies who have taken this time to really invest in current and hypo, high potential future leaders. And that can be really healthy. Another thing that we've done that I think has really helped a lot given the current climate is I went through a program at Berkeley in July to become an executive coach. So there's like a program that they have, it's fantastic. And now what we're doing is we're offering supplemental coaching to our, so we've got the to many workshops we do, and now we have one-to-one -one coaching with leaders in an organization. And, and what we found, people are in need of healing. It has been a traumatic year. And so this one-to-one, -one, what's specifically going on with them at work, peripherally, it's been really healthy. And one client in particular, we added one-on-one -on -one coaching in between all of our monthly workshops. And so we get to meet with the leaders once a month. And what obviously it's confidential, what they share stays in like the black box of confidentiality. Um, and we're looking for themes. So we do derive themes from those conversations and help go back to the organizations and say, people are worried. Ever since the layoff, they feel like it was vague. They feel like there is a, a pocket of information that they're missing. And when we have a void of information, what do we do? We fill it with our imagination. We love storytelling, you know? And so people, if they don't have information from an organization, fill, fill it with anxious thoughts, with I don't really know. My people are asking me, are we going to have another layoff? And I don't know how to answer that question. How do I motivate my people right now? They feel demoralized. I feel demoralized, you know? And so those one-on-one -on -one conversations with managers, we've found to be very helpful and supplemental to this like one-to-many, let's talk about authentic leadership. And now let's like get in there with you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Trish is mentioning in the chat, uh, creating psychological safety is so key. Um, it, it, it's, I think, an opportunity as well for, for leadership to actually focus on, you know, some of the small things to actually build trust or at least, um, you know, some level of, if not reassurance, because Lord knows we can't predict next week, let alone next year. 
um, but to be at least responsive and uh, I want to use the word comforting, but maybe that's not the you know the exact word, but that that sense of uh, that sense of being of, of helping making sure the teams are are being listened to, et cetera. Yeah, and I think something I mentioned when we were in the green room briefly is, I hear a lot of how do we connect in this remote world? People are saying there's this lack of connection. I agree. There's these micro moments that we're missing with people. Like, how do you take your coffee when we're in the kitchen? Oh, me too. I take my coffee that same way. These like little moments that we sink in and make people connect with us and feel a certain way. A smile in the hall. Like these little things are now feel like they have to be curated. So I understand and acknowledge that. And I think a lot of people are missing an opportunity to connect with people right now, which is being authentic, being real. And I see it all the time. I'm on these like networking calls and we join in and there's like 12, you know, Brady Bunch faces in the grid view. And they're like, how are you? Good, good, great. How are you? Good, good, great. Because that's what we've been conditioned to say. But people are having a hard time. And so something that I've started doing is answering that question for real. When people say, how are you? I don't just say, great, good. I say, I've had a hard day today. And yesterday was a good day. Today's a hard day. And trying to open that channel of vulnerability because once it's open, it shows people, wow, I appreciated that. You know, like I see this human connection in a hard time. And I think as leaders in an organization in a leadership development program, really thinking about how to offer an open channels on the leadership team for those vulnerable moments. Right now, at this time, it is an opportunity that I see a lot of people missing on like being authentic in those moments mm -hmm. and not, we have an authentic self and we have an adaptive self, you know, that we've, we've got the shoulds. I should be like this at work. I should be like that. We should all over ourselves and everyone else, right? <laughs> and so how can I remove the shoulds and be real? How can I break down those walls of adapting and be authentic. And it can be scary because vulnerability is scary. And I think when leaders of organizations high up and frontline start to do that, it unlocks something in a company that can be really powerful, especially in a time like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In this virtual, you know, faces in squares world that, that we've switched to, it becomes, well, we, we've lost the ability to even just casually read body language, uh, you know, as you're working with people, et cetera, or at the end of the day, seeing, what the body language is when someone comes into the office or when they're, you know, they're packing up with you know, those little small things that we could all pay attention to, to understand each other, uh, other better. And now we're all in these, you know, frames that, uh, that present us as one thing. Yeah. And it, it's like, once I turn this video off, you have no clue what's going on right mm -hmm. here. And right now what's going on right here is complicated. Just like at your house, just like at your house, just like at my house. I was on a networking call recently with a group of HR leaders and, you know, there's all of us, we're having a cocktail. We're like, oh, what a year, you know? And one of the women gets on, she looks stressed. You can see it. It's on her face and her video. And she's like, I've got a Cosmo. I made it. It's like, took me a long time to make it. She's super proud of it. I see her go on mute during the call. I see her shouting in the corner of her video and then I see her dog jump on her with her Cosmo. And then she goes, 
the video goes off and it's her headshot and she's like <laughs> and, and there's something really comical terrifying and an opportunity to connect here right like think about that happening on your mm -hmm. team or as a leader of an organization like what do you do if that happens do you just be like where are you or or you take a moment and say hey looks like looks like something just happened want to check in and see if there's anything that you need or if you need a minute or you know i'll take notes for you or whatever it is it's like that human moment where now we see her headshot you know this like <laughs> curated profile picture that has filters on it and like right before was the real <laughs> and so how to bridge the like headshot to the real mm -hmm. i know brent struggles with it with his dog murphy in and out of his office as we do these but i got to admit I, he's doing a really good job at hiding the cosmos i, I think it's the idiotic <laughs> mug <laughs> yeah it's like well, one of my friends has a mug that says this might be wine <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a giveaway on the afternoons though because he still puts the umbrella in the in the coffee mug it's like he can't resist and then then we know that it's all it's all over for him <laughs> that's right um, did, so so on a serious note of like a tactically being authentic right i think one of the things that people struggle with especially leaders right leaders when um the complications around you know knowing that there's uncertainty and you leave yourself open for vulnerability and, and authentic questions from your staff, from the people around you. And then they start asking you the hard questions, you know, I mean that, I think we have to have a little bit of empathy towards our leadership too, because if they come out and say, yeah, the shit's hit the fan and, you know, in another six months, we may have to have another set of layoffs. Well, then everybody bails and now he can't even get to the next, get through the next six months. So there's got to be this realistic balance between putting forward a positive face and that we're working hard. We're, we're going to make this happen. I'm confident we're in a spot now where we're going to make this happen. But there's, but nobody knows for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think, I think that's where a lot of leaders struggle because once they get to that point, then it's like a lot easier to just convince themselves. I'm just not talking to them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe if I just don't say anything, it'll all fix itself. And then I don't have to, and it'll all go away. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And what I would say to that is I think there is a positive realism to it all, you know, where I'm not saying come on and be like, everything's great and or everything's awful. There's this balance that has to be struck and it's an, it's an, based on an individual style, right. you know, like I tend to be a more optimistic, positive person. I'm kind of wired that way. One of my people I work with a lot is not wired that way, takes a critical eye, likes to play devil's advocate. We work really well together because we balance each other. But the way that they approach a situation, like a hard conversation or an employee coming to them might be a little different than the way that I do. Um, so I think you need to just bring a certain element of realism to it. And even like, I, I actually said this on a coaching call yesterday with an executive I was talking to saying like, it's okay to authentically and in a real way, tell people that you're not, you don't know. 
and you still are unsure. There is still uncertainty and there can be a wisdom that is brought from a leader in uncertainty without lying, without saying like, everything's fine. We're not going to do a layoff or we're probably going to do a layoff again. Like there's a middle place where you can carefully craft how you approach that conversation with your people and say, you know, we didn't see the first one coming, you know, and I want to let you know that we're putting all things in place we possibly can as an organization to be healthy. It's why we did a first layoff is so we can have a healthy organization and try to make sure we don't need to do another one. Can I sit here as a CEO and tell you that we're never going to have to do anything like that ever again? Mm. No. And any CEO or leader who does say that is not authentically telling you the truth because you don't know what you don't know. What we are doing is this, 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 and this. And that right there is like a balanced approach to that type of conversation. Yeah, it's got to be, it's, it's, it's the personality thing. I think this is the hardest thing that training professions, and maybe you can help some of our training folks deal with this. Um, this is going to be a really long question, but let me just set it okay. up a little bit. So at, at the beginning of the pandemic, my immediate gut reaction, or I should say at the beginning of the shutdown, the pandemic, not so much, but when everything shut down and then that's when we knew everything was getting real, I remember... I'm like you. I'm like, I'm, I'm always on the, from the glasses half full side of things, right? What's the positive, right? Where, where do we go with this? And to me, it was immediately obvious that we as training professionals are now in a position to help, to be like, we are needed now more than ever because people need to learn how to use these new virtual tools. They need to not just how to train them, but how to do meetings in them. A lot of companies are going to start to say, oh, holy crap, maybe there's something to this e-learning thing. Maybe we should actually implement that stuff, you know? And so you just kind of, I started thinking through all of that and I started seeing it. But when it comes to leadership development, it, training professionals, it's such a squishy layer, right? Like what you're talking about, like, like it takes, you can't just do a how to become a leader event that's a one hour live stream or something you know that you do to get people to all of a sudden become leaders it's a long-term process and it is a program right that long-term program you have to put in place that often has coaching and there has to be real world experience and then you go back to your coach you know all that kind of stuff and i i just don't think a lot of training professionals are trained to do that and don't ever really feel like that's what it like i think in and of course people in the chat tell me if i'm wrong but i don't really think traditional instructional design models are work or when you've been doing for 10 years 15 years even five years when you've been doing tactical type training events training software whatever to all of a sudden have somebody say hey can you do you know, management leadership development. It's a totally different thing. And so I, I, I guess my question is, how can we help training professionals move into that space and to be, to help, to, to be able to do those things? Or is it just like, you know, call somebody who's good at it, <laughs> you know, and, and bring them in? I think it depends, just like all good answers, right? It yeah. depends on the organization. It depends on the needs. It depends on bandwidth, on expertise, you know, 
I'm certain that there are people in this virtual room right now who have the skill sets to do it. Um, I think the key is to listen first, you know, do an analysis, a needs analysis of sorts of your leaders, of your organization. Like, how are they actually doing right now? And how can you support them? How can you enable them? Is it, it might not even be a training need. <laughs> you know, you might find, you know, as, as much as I would love to say that training can heal all wounds, that's not true. We all know that. Yeah. And there the are maybe I'm trying to make right is that is that it's not it, like leadership development in a time like this isn't about training. I'd say no. 99% of it is not. So Paul in the chat is actually disagreeing with you, Brent. Uh, he says, instructional design works no matter the subject. Training is not supposed to create the answer. It has to research it uh, and then train it. Um, but Jill's also pointed out, I think it's hard because leadership is more about how the leader functions and thinks than a skill set. And so there, there, there's a, a certain amount of difference. You know, we're not teaching people something that uh, that is a specific task that gets repeated. It's you're, you're trying to, well, in that, you know, famous pyramid, we're looking at upper level, you know, pieces of, 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 of uh, let, you know, plot application Paul's, and, and etc. So yeah, let's not skip Paul's first comment. I like this one. So just like any other training, if there is no agreement to change on the job, leadership training will have no effect. So right, so you're mm -hmm. the leadership has to be bought into it. And that, that was one of the questions I had for you in the green room. Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place with this. But it, it's really fascinating to me the whole thing. And is, um, you know, have you run across that? Like how many it, you know, did you have leaders go, no, I don't, I don't need to be, you know, mm. leader, leadership trained. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> thanks. Go do the onboarding or go do some other training with our HR people. <laughs> that happens whether or not we have a pandemic, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. People think they don't need to be trained or don't need to learn. I think one of the things that I have seen work really well, especially right now in the virtual world and people's need to connect with each other, especially on the leadership front, is pairing them up with each other in between workshops and getting them to support each other. So something we like to do is we create co-mentor programs where we pair managers who would otherwise not work together very often. So different departments, different locations. And we say, okay, we've talked about this topic. And now in between now and then, you'll meet with your co-mentor and you all will talk about these things. And we give kind of a prescriptive idea of what they could talk about, share about, work with each other on. What's been fascinating is one organization, a couple leaders have taken it on themselves and they've created a weekly roundtable that they now have that they talk about the topics. That's not something that we said they should do. It was something that they decided to do. And that's been really healthy for them to talk to each other about what's going well well, what's not going well. They created norms as a team that kind of built off of our virtual workshop norms on, okay, what are we willing to talk about? Not, this is not a place to just complain. This is a place to brainstorm, you know, that type of thing. And I think those types of connections with each other is really what people need right now, building off of training, building off of, you know, e-learning that we might offer, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah but does it time let's talk about time because that kind of stuff it's time consuming right and and i think that is where a lot of leaders get cramped it's like shouldn't you people be working instead of spending an hour 
in a Zoom doing a round table, just being all touchy-feely with each other, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing there's still a certain level of that, especially during times like this when things are hard. It, I think there's got to be some anxiety with the leadership going, yes, Katie, I totally understand that we need to be authentic and we need to spend time getting to know each other and and having these types of conversations, but there's a lot of work that has to get done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where, you know, in the workshops that we have adapted in the virtual world and working with our clients and managers, it's there is a certain component, uh, well, there's a month in between each one. And so they have four weeks and the work that we encourage them to do is mandatory, right? Like they have to do it. There's a certain set of things. It won't, we recommend that they meet every other week for an hour over lunch or whatever. And so it's two times. So it would be two hours. This client in particular, they saw a need and they made optional roundtables, something that could happen. So anybody who wanted to join could, but nobody had to. So really the only mandatory piece is like two hours in a month. Hmm. There's been a lot of good stuff in the chat too. Um, I'm, I'm going to scroll back up. I'm going to try to scroll back up, scroll back up. Um, Steve pointed out to, you know, the adaptability, agility, growth, mindset, empathy, et cetera. Those are capacities, you know, not skill, but often positioned as skills. So that's a, um, it kind of brings up the idea of, of practice. How do you learn to practice authenticity, which is kind of maybe an oxymoron uh, in some ways, if you look at it in a dry fashion. Um, Eric's mentioning too that his organization has bi-weekly roundtables on leadership. They went virtual, but it's great that they have continued on uh, through the pandemic. So that's uh, that's really cool to see that uh, you know that uh, that Eric's organization was able to you know start bridging things. That's very cool. Yeah, this, Matt makes a great point too. Peer to peer is necessary. How can a leader support others if they are not receiving support in return? And I think that's where this the coaching that you're doing and that I think. I think that's one of the things where where training can step up, training departments can step up. I think, um, and and maybe it's something as easy as the the manager of the training department or the training director. Maybe they go and get some training on how to be a coach, and then they can also offer coaching, you know, within the organization as well as part of what the training team does. Even if traditionally they just manage the team of e-learning developers and instructional designers and they pretty much just did your standard you know manufacturing training warehousing training sales training or whatever but get some additional skills on staff either with somebody that's already on staff or hire someone to come in and be a part of the team that does that because i, I think matt's absolutely right i think that not only do a lot of leaders not want to be mentored and don't you know they're they're not excited about having you know, somebody to talk to or whatever, they don't feel like they need it. But those that do maybe just don't have that resource or that ability, or they don't know what it's like, or they're uncertain of it, you know, and maybe if they knew, you know, that they need the help. A lot of times it's mandatory too, right? Like the board, <laughs> board of directors will say, you're going to go and get some training on this. <laughs> yep. And it's mandatory, or else you're yeah. And I think, you know, going through a coaching program is always an option. I decided to invest in one and go through one because I saw the value in it. I thought it was really important. It's also a passion of mine. So I decided to do that. I think that's always an option. And 
coaching in its purest form is asking questions and listening to people. And so I'm not saying call yourself a coach and just ask questions. But what I am saying is without the credential, you can still ask questions and listen to your leaders on what they need, what they want, what they don't want any more of. And that can be hard because sometimes our egos get bruised when they're like, they didn't love that thing I did, you know, but it's really important for us to know. So we can pivot and give them what they need, especially right now. Um, something that I've found in the coaching and the one-on-ones and working with so many people, I think since July, when I went through the program by January, I will have done a hundred coaching hours. So it's been a lot of talking to managers one-on-one and hearing what they have to say. And I'm hearing a lot of the same things across organizations. People are nervous. People don't know how to motivate their people. People are worried about morale, their own morale, their employees' morale. You know, like there is a lot of that. They want more transparency from leadership on what is the plan? Are they still working on the right things? Are they going to be working from home forever? You know, so there's just these really interesting themes I'm seeing across industries, across size of companies that I think is really important to acknowledge and pay attention to. And I start every coaching call. I'm sitting here. Let's say we're on a coaching call. You and me are on a three-person coaching call. And I say, I know that you received an email from HR saying that you were joining, joining this coaching call with a stranger. And I understand that in that moment, a myriad of emotions can come up. You could be excited. You could be like, oh, God, this thing they're making me do. Or it could be somewhere in the middle. It's not going to hurt my feelings, but I'm curious. How are you showing up today? When you were dialing in, what came up for you? And just opening that moment is hilarious, first of all. People are like, mm, yeah, this is going to be a waste of time. I'm like, okay, my goal is that it's not. Let's check in at the end and see what you think. Like what would make it a good use of time, you know? And just giving people an opportunity to say, I don't want to do this. Or maybe if you start a training, having a slide with all different images that have different emotions. How is everybody put a stamp on how you feel coming into the training today? And everyone's like, this baby, you know, the baby that has his hand in his. Okay, people aren't excited about this. Let's talk about why we're doing it. Um, and so just checking in on people and giving them the opportunity to not be excited and like permission to not be excited if they need that. I, I love that stuff. Whenever we do, uh, whenever we do an idiotic session with somebody that, that specializes in virtual training and they, and they show those great tips and tricks, and, and that's one of them that I see a lot of people doing. It, is, it always makes me go, ah, oh, I forgot to use that again. You know, it, <laughs> it's all of that cool stuff I think is super helpful. And it, it's so, it, it's almost like so easy. It, it, I mean, relatively speaking, right? I mean, it's like, it's an easy thing to do that can make all the difference in a, in a coaching thing and in, in a training that we're doing, virtual training. Even if you're just having a meeting with your colleagues, even if it's just a round table, why not start the round table like that? That would be kind of interesting too. Yeah. As Steve's pointed out in the chat, all training should start with that question. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, why not? You know? <laughs> There's a really great um, like tool that I've used that creates a word cloud on the fly. 
in trainings or um, so I don't know that it's an authoring tool and somebody can just type in like we'll say name two words that describe how you feel today and it generates a word cloud on the fly and you can see certain words get bigger certain words be smaller and it's fascinating the one I did recently let's see the common ones were tired that was the number one word the next one was excited I'm like okay we all feel a little juxtaposed got it it's the time of the year um, distracted, interested, caffeinated. So these are some of the common ones that were coming out. And I think that's just really interesting to start the day. It's like, okay, people are tired and distracted. Let's energize them and let's remind them to minimize distractions. <laughs> you know? uh, so. Do what you can anyways, if you can. Men, <laughs> men Demeter does that, Trish says. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Yeah, there's probably a few different tools out there to do that. Super cool. You know, so, so Katie, let's just, as we get a little bit closer to wrapping up, we don't always go to the top of the hour. I forgot to tell you that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's just, um, you know, let's, let's wrap it up with some tips. Like if you had, you know, one, two things that you think we could all do maybe to be a little bit more helpful within the organizations that we work or with or the organizations we support if there we have consultants or contractors and staff what you know what what's the best thing we can ask them to do listen listen before putting a plan together for the rest of this year or for 2021 and the way that you listen is probably unique to your organization, whether it be one-on-one -on -one interviews with people, whether it be an engagement survey, whether it be looking at, you know, e-learning data compiled with other things. Like there's so many different things that you can do to listen and understand what your people need. Because I think a lot of times what we do is we make assumptions. Everyone's had a hard year. We need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And I think a lot of times we miss opportunities. Like when I'm coaching these organizations, I'm able to bring themes back to the leadership team and say, I got to be honest, there's some things that you're not going to like here, but you need to hear that your team is saying your team doesn't trust you. Like I heard that from 10 managers that they don't trust you. And so a training is not going to fix that trust, but they need to hear that. And so I think listening to what they, what individuals need and then thematically looking at that before you put together a plan, because it's not always a training problem. You know, sometimes it's something bigger going on that you can supplement and complement and create an initiative or a program that helps with it. But if the team doesn't trust the leadership team, like that's a bigger issue that needs to be unpacked at a higher level. And maybe you can help facilitate that conversation, or maybe you can help train the leaders on how to be trustworthy and like authentic and things like that. But I think that is the biggest thing. Listen first before putting your plans together and build the case internally for needing to do that. Like I need to talk to people. I need to talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. We need to send out this survey, um, something like that. Mm -hmm. Very good. So everybody needs to add listening to their to their skill set. Uh, um, one of the things that we do here is we listen to the theme song as we play ourselves out. Oh my gosh! Yes, who's I caught Brent off guard again. Yeah, I know the technology. <laughs> all the roles, all the things are switched different. Katie, thanks so much for joining us um, here. Throw your uh, contact details into the chat in case people are looking to figure out ways to connect with you. Um, the places or the locations where they can find you. 
Um, and a uh, great chat again, as always, guys. Thanks so much for your participation there and your thoughts and your ideas. Um, and yeah, we'll dance on out of here. We'll call it a wrap on a Wednesday. Thanks um, again, Katie. I think we really needed this. So, yeah, uh, and, and I really appreciate you coming in. Yeah, and, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone in the U.S. who's celebrating that this week. And the rest of us will watch all your turkey memes on the social media. Goodbye. <laughs> if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Let me know. Awesome. Thanks so much, Katie. Let's all dance on out of here. Thanks, guys. Let's do it. Here we go. Cranking it up. <laughs>